Welcome to our next installment of the Rebels of the Heart virtual conference series. It's been an ongoing segment where we've featured great leaders across all different areas of business, different companies, really showing the next generation of leadership and what leadership with a heart looks like in terms of rebels breaking the rules, creating new rules, and, and establishing what a healthy business and personal relationship can look like. I'm Derek Bunston, CEO of Life Guides, uh, and we're building a platform for caring people to do extraordinary good by using technology to match people who have been through a life challenge of some sort with those who are going through the same or a very similar experience now provide peer-to-peer mentorship support and guidance to help people be happier, healthier, and more productive in both their work life and home life and where those come together. Welcome to our latest installment of Rebels of the Heart. I'm really excited to welcome our guest here today, Jamie Naughton. Welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. So this is going to be a fun conversation. I've been looking forward to it for some time. Uh, I think the concept of Rebels with a Heart has been something that you've been near and working closely with throughout your entire career in supporting people and supporting people in the workforce. So I'd love to hear from your perspective, what does the phrase rebel with a heart mean to you? Oh, wow. Um, We're getting right into it. Rebel rebel with a heart. I think um, it means a a trailblazer, um, someone who thinks about uh, business and things differently, um, but does it in a way uh, that is uh, leads heart first. So uh, people first, hopefully. <laughs> I love it. And how is that currently kind of showing up in your, in your life and your world of work and your environment? Well, so I think I, I honestly think that it, it you'd be hard pressed to find someone who um, it's not showing up for right yes. now. I know we, we you know we've gone through what um, has been coined the great resignation, and and now the tides are, are turning a little bit um, with a potential recession on the horizon. Um, I think employees are pausing um, and. Yeah maybe um, reevaluating whether they want to leave an organization or not. But um, but these highs and lows come. And I think that the future of work is really um, going to benefit rebels with a heart. Like if wow. you're, you have to lead your business uh, in, a, in a people way, uh, employees nowadays don't want to, um, don't want command and control. They want some flexibility. It's interesting you say that because, I mean, when we started this series, which happened to correspond with the start of the pandemic, the idea was that putting people first and really living in that manner still was fairly innovative and visionary in of itself, right? There was, it was a a fairly, I mean, there's a certain element we know it's the right thing to do, but business leaders and companies that were really doing that were still, I think, not as mainstream as has been required over the last couple of years. And so it's even interesting to your point about how the Rebels brand has evolved because at the time it was, we were thinking that it was a small group of people and leaders and emerging leaders that were driving this change. And the circumstances of the last couple of years have really required all people, all leaders, all companies to step up and reevaluate how they're leading and managing and developing people and developing communities and developing cultures to reflect that. So yeah. We'd love to hear from your perspective on some of the influences in your life that really drive your point of view on on this work and on this topic. 
Yeah, well, so I uh, worked for a, a, a company named Zappos, Zappos.com. Um, I joined Zappos in 2004, so they were still a startup. No one had heard of us Um, um when I would tell people that I worked at Zappos, they would say, oh, the, the lighter company, like Zippos. And uh, I was like, no, no, we sell shoes. And even back then people were like, you can't, you can't sell shoes online. Um, I need to try them on. I need to go to the store. So it's, it's funny to look back at just how much the, the world uh, has changed and how much the Zappos brand has changed from, from when I started. Um, but I would, I spent the vast majority of my career with that brand. 16 years. I spent 10 years reporting directly to the CEO of Zappos, um, Tony Shea, um, which was the hardest, most amazing, most amount of adventure I I could have ever imagined. Um, If there is an adjective to describe it, I think uh, most of them apply. Um, And working at Zappos and under Tony's leadership, um, it, it's, it's just, it's strange to look back because it was such a novel concept or yeah. it seemed like such a novel concept when I joined that, um, they were building a company really centered around employees. Uh, and they did that because they wanted their employees to, to focus on the customer. Um, and now I just can't imagine any leader, um, or even any investor, and I mean, you're an investor, so you tell me, but I can't imagine any investor um, wanting to look at a company that doesn't at least, at least understand the yeah. importance of workplace culture and, yeah. um, and the employee experience and how it affects your brand. Absolutely. Um, so to that, to that point, I mean, I think, you know, Tony Shea and Zappos were truly early rebels with a heart. I mean, they were the they, they were true visionaries, true pioneers in the space in many ways. Yeah. Uh, since you had the opportunity and privilege to be part of that team in the early days, I, I'd love to hear just how that how that formed, right? How that how that kind of came because I think that's a story that not necessarily people really understand and appreciate fully, like where that came from, how that developed, how that expanded. Because Zappos is truly now a, a, a brand that I think most people know and and, and appreciate. Um, but it was it was a pioneer in so many ways, just in terms of the product set, like you said, of e-commerce yeah. and at a time when that was not yet kind of a mainstream idea, um, but also just how the culture was being built and established. And you had kind of a bird's eye view on all that. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And I and I there was there was two paths that I think Zappos um figured out along their journey. The first one was on the product side is they uh, figured out early on that they were not competing with other online companies, um, mainly because they, they didn't exist. Um, <laughs> and they were, com- they were competing against brick and mortar and they uh, had to look at the business differently. Like what experience does brick and mortar give the customer that e-commerce can't? And um, one of the first things that came up was the ability to try on shoes, the instant gratification. And so Zappos really pioneered. I, I, I want to say that they were the first to do free shipping and free return shipping. Um, and someone uh, in your audience can fact check me if that if that's wrong. But um, but they created a you know a 365 day return policy and gave you an opportunity to um, really try your shoes on and, and figure out if you wanted to keep them, providing they were unworn, of course. Um, and then the second thing um, was 
how quickly we get our product to you. So they even, they moved our product from California where we originally headquartered to Kentucky because um, partnering with UPS, they figured out that you can reach the vast majority of the country by ground within two days if you are um, near the UPS hub. So uh, we set out on wowing our customers by doing fast free shipping. And then um, we knew customer service was going to be key. Tony would always say, like, everybody hates terrible customer service. Like, why would you set out to design, like, create that? And I don't think most companies, I I know most companies don't design a business that has poor um, customer service, but it's an unintended consequence based off of lack of autonomy that you give your employees and just the policies that you you put into place. Um, And so we really felt like um, you can't have an environment that isn't fun and healthy and expect your employees to provide a good experience to your customer. Um, So we, we set out to create a world-class employee experience. Um, And that had a lot to do with Tony's previous experiences. Like if you, uh, he wrote a book, a bestseller called Delivering Happiness. um, And he talked about selling his first company um, to Microsoft. I think he sold it for like 240 million or, or something like that. And uh, the the reason he sold it is because he woke up one day and was like, I don't want to go to work. Mm. And he's like, I'm the CEO. If I don't want to go to work, like what, what do my employees feel? And he didn't want to go to work because he he looked around and he didn't enjoy the people he was working with anymore. Oh. And so I I remember joining Davos in 2004 and the um, in in Las Vegas, they were a lot of people knew about them because they were so crazy and they were so different and everybody wanted to work there, but no one else in the world had heard of us yet. Um, and as we were growing, he got more and more nervous about um, the the culture. We were adding 80 people a pay period, 160 wow. people a month. We were one of the fastest growing companies in America. And he's like, if we don't get a hold of this right now, um, we're going to wake up and not want to be work. yeah um and so that's when he solidified the values and and we went through that whole iteration of the zappos journey and what was that process like because i think that's an area where we've seen at least my impression is more and more companies are doing true values i work identifying creating it living by it i think that's becoming more and more not just words on the wall but actual practices i mean i think zappos was back one of the first that really really built this in and kind of the new world of work, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, what, what were some of the things that followed from that? that made me- um, so Tony's, the way Tony created the, the Zappos core values is he looked around, well, one, he always said, you have to figure out what your own personal values are. Right. And the way he always described it is like, think about people that you don't get along with or ex-boyfriends, um, ex-girlfriends, ex-partners, whatever. Like, what what was it about them that um, really conflicted with 
you. And, and then that's a, an easy way to figure out like what you value, what you don't. Um, and so he, he knew what his personal values were. And then he looked around the company and, and thought, okay, who are my best of the best? And what do I like about them? And he started writing down um, character traits, like they're fun. Um, they're weird. They're ambitious. They're, um, they never stop learning. And he came up with this list of about a hundred different values and he sent it out to um, the employees. And one of, uh, one of the things that I learned from Tony about communication is you got to frame the conversation, right? Like if you, if you just, if you just ask employees, uh, you know, what should our core values be, they might go all over the place. And so he, he sent these hundred values out and he said, this is what I'm thinking. And like, what are your thoughts? What do you think of these? Am I missing some? Do some of these not look um, right. And then over the process of a year, we um, got that down to 10 basic yeah. values. And if I could make a comment for, for your listeners on, on core values and what I see uh, companies do is some, some companies either have very vague yes. core values like integrity and you know, relationships or, um, or they really lofty, um, values that no one can even remember because they read more like mission statements. Um, and for us, we, it, it's like trying to create a, um, personality profile on like what makes an ideal candidate for your organization and like what are those character traits that make someone successful in your organization and those were the values that we came up with um deliver well through service um be humble um embrace and drive change these were things that were very not very easy but they were they were some, they were easier to, yeah. uh, as we were hiring and even firing to identify who had these traits and who didn't. Yes. Yeah. They were specific. They were specific and had behaviors aligned to them that will allow mm-hmm. to articulate how in resonance or not. Yeah. They were action. They were action statements. Yes. I think that's the important thing. Action things are, are clear because it puts it in a way to help, to help frame that up. Mm-hmm. So you had the chance to go through such a kind of up and down, side by side growth journey. You had the chance to work closely with Tony. I mean, what what would be the top couple, two or three things that you like really when you when you distill all that down? What are the few things that you really kind of, to your point, ingrained as core values that you're that you brought forward in your time post Zappos and you're bringing forward into your future as a leader and people and as you're developing organizations? How what's the legacy traits, if you will, that yeah. you bring forward, right? Um, I, I mean, there are, are several, but wow. um, to, to narrow it down, um, the, the thing I learned the most um, is relationships matter. And I think you and I talked about this when we had yeah. lunch not too long ago is um, Zappos was built on relationships. We were told no a thousand times yeah. and we, um, we just... We'd never, we weren't trying to get anything from anyone. We were genuinely interested in every single person we met. And what Tony aligned the company around is every single person has value. And if they are your call center employee or your executive, like your next best idea comes from from somewhere um, and and everyone has that potential to unlock it. So um I, uh, my values are to, um, it is 
to learn from every single person I meet. Mm. Um, being humble was, a, it was, you know, one of our values at Zappos and what I see in leadership, um, unfortunately a lot. And I think this is an outdated management, um, philosophy is, um, leaders who think they know it all. I, yeah. I don't know any leader who knows it all. <laughs> um, and so having a growth mindset and just knowing that there, you, you can always learn something new and your mind can always change. Yeah. Mm. So how do you see your future career playing out as you think through the lessons and doing these core values? Like what's, where are you going with your, your journey in people leadership and where, and how are you bringing kind of this forward? Yeah. Well, and so I, I left Zappos in, in 2020, um, shortly after Tony, um, left the company and, um, what I look for in the, um, roles that I take. I am an advisor for um, some companies. I'm a, a board member. Um, and then also um, in, in full-time employment is I'm looking for a leader who is um, mission-focused and who is uh, that understands the importance of employee experience in the in in the journey of their brand. Um, And I have met leaders who feel it in their soul that they're like, I, we must do right by the people. And then I've met leaders who are like, look, this is the fastest way to, uh, to get to our end goal. And we know we have to treat employees well, if we want to get here and like, that's fine too. Not everyone has an altruistic like view of it. Um, But I do think it needs to be, um, central to the organization and, and, um, and then a, a customer philosophy that is uh, pro customer. That love that. Um, so I'm curious too, when you think about just the overall of Tony's legacy, when, what is his, what's something that is like very clear, like just, it's, there's, it's kind of just a priori knowledge. This is what Tony is and he stands for. What's a misconception that it's, that you know, really well, that should be, clarified that I think would be really helpful for people to understand. Um, I think his legacy is really about that your culture is your brand and there is absolutely no way to separate it. And the, the, um, the more we progress, the harder it will be to hide all of the issues within an organization from your, your customer base. We're seeing it right now in, in politics that your customer not only wants to know how you're treating your employees, they want to know where your dollars are going. Um, So I think uh, Tony understood that and, and that is what he preached. So hopefully that is his legacy. um, And that is, you know, what I hope um, for the people that don't know, he he passed away in November 2020, and um, and I I think me along with hundreds of other Zaponians who had um, a chance to work with him, what we take with us is um, knowing that we are part of his legacy. So every new company I join, every new company that I um, mentor or um, help, I am carrying on his legacy. And then the biggest misconception that I think people have about Zappos and and it's so hard to like take Tony out of that equation is that um, having a strong culture means 
hiring all the same people. Um, I talk to leaders and they're like, well, how do you not get group think and you're hiring just copy, paste, copy, paste. And um, having a healthy, well-defined culture is actually the opposite of copy and paste. It is creating an environment where people are so true to who they are that they bring their selves to work. And Tony used to say like, if, if you meet me in person, um, you might be a little disappointed that I'm not the image of Zappos and the crazy loud, uh, you know, parade going through the office. He was very reserved and quiet. Um, And it takes, it takes all kinds. So I think that's the biggest misconception is that strong cultures lead to sameness when I think they actually lead to uniqueness. That's, that's a really powerful statement. I think it also goes back to something you shared earlier on where you talked about the role of a really can, can, you know, a, a big purpose, right? The, the rallying point, if you will, where no matter your background, your point of view, the diversity of the organization, there's a, there's a, there's a certain just galvanization that takes place within that because of, and to your point, the focus around the customer experience, just the, this obsessive focus on making it so, and then creating that. And actually, that's another question I had when you mentioned this. What's the role that you saw or that you see, and even some specific examples between the autonomy that was given to people and how that showed up in creating that really special customer experience? Like on the individual level, how did that translate into that powerful experience? Yeah. So I I think for us, the autonomy led to every powerful story you've ever heard about Zappos. Like our we did very little marketing. We did yeah. very little to get our name out there. We relied on our customers and our employees to tell our, our story. And um, um, autonomy, we know that customers get frustrated when they don't have a single point of contact, when they when they can't just call and get a resolution. Um, and we'd have customers call, I need to talk to a manager. And like, no, you don't, because there is not a single thing that a manager can do that the average call center employee couldn't do. Right. They didn't, there weren't limits to the gift cards they could give or the free product or the refunds or breaking policies. Like we, we knew that our employees were the best every employee that answers phone is the best person to help that customer. Um, and that. How did you operationalize that? How did you, cause that's something that I think a lot of companies would struggle with giving that mm-hmm. level of freedom and discretion to make those types of choices without a policy, without a, without a, a guidebook, like no term to, to do that. How did you balance? How did you systematize that? Right. I mean, we, we did it. We had very long, we had a very long in-depth training. We did four weeks of call center training for every single employee. Even I went through call center training, even Tony went through call center training. Um, And so it's, it's part of our values and part of what the foundation that we laid. And one thing uh, I, one of the, the, funny stories I remember about um, Tony, him saying to a call center employee, like, it's not your money. Like, it's okay. It's not your money. Because what we would see is employees were, they were getting almost like possessive. And especially if they thought a customer was taking advantage, like you're not getting a penny from me. And Tony would be like, relax. It's not your money. (laughs) Like you don't have to, you don't have to defend the company at every, at every step. Um, and even our, our trainers would, um, would evaluate the, the gift, um, 
cards and, you know, the different issues and, and go back to the employees and say like, okay, this customer bought a $500 pair of shoes and you gave them a $25 gift card because of like the heel broke or something like that. And it's like, mm, like maybe if, you know, if they're spending $500 on a pair of shoes, like $25 isn't enough. Okay. Uh, often we were, we were coaching um, people to do more. And I think what we learned is that um, most people can be trusted. Mm. And yes, we can see what you're doing. And yes, we know what coupons you're giving and we can listen to your calls and we do. Um, but uh, it it is very oft, it's, it didn't happen very often that someone would let us down. Um, what was more the case is not doing enough. That's incredible. I mean, I think that's the, and that, and that goes back to that just fanatical focus around the customer mm-hmm. experience, right? I think that's just, and I think that's really the tr- part of, to your point again, part of that legacy mm-hmm. is just there's a, that, that trusting of people is, is I think still somewhat, even in this c- context, somewhat unique and different. To your point, there's a uniqueness in that. And I think that speaks to the, what, what Zappos is really doing. And that's also a testament to the leadership. Of what, what. Yeah. And if I, if I can give you uh, an example um, of yeah. a customer experience that I can absolutely tie to a lack of autonomy. Um, it, I recently, um, so I moved from Zappos is headquartered in Vegas and I left Vegas um, about a year ago and moved to a different state. And so I was back in Vegas visiting and uh, stayed at a hotel um, that will remain nameless. But um, when when I they have an online check-in system and when I went to go check in online, it didn't um, it didn't recognize me. And my my full name for the audience, or if you want to look me up on LinkedIn, is Jamie Naughton Henriad. And um, for whatever reason, Henriad gets spelled all, misspelled all the time. Um, and so they had transposed the the I and the O in my name, and so I couldn't do it online. So I had to wait in this very very long line to get up to check in. And the gentleman was checking me in and we were, uh, I said to him, like, I think my name is spelled wrong and, and will that affect my ability to use like the app to do what I need to do? Um, and he, uh, he said, he help, was helping me check in and he said, yeah, the, the name will be an issue. Um, and then he said, I'll be right back. And he left me for 10 minutes. I stood there wow. just like, he didn't tell me where he was going and I had no idea what he was doing, but I could see him talking to presumably a a supervisor or someone, he comes back and he continues doing what he's doing and, you know, apologize for the delay. And I said, just out of curiosity, what, what was that? And he said, Oh, I just had to get permission to fix your name. I'm like, I get it. I get it. There is security process and like people have been harmed by wrong people getting access to their rooms. Like I know I can hear it. I can hear it echoing from um, from the cars that are listening to this podcast right now that there are a million reasons why someone in leadership thought this needed to be a rule that he couldn't fix a misspelling on my name with my ID. He had to ask permission to move the O into the I position. And that created a 10-minute delay um, that wasn't a good experience. So. For you and for a number of other customers that I'm sure waiting behind you. Absolutely. Right? And if you've ever checked into a busy uh, yeah. you know, strip hotel in, in Las Vegas, it's not um, always a good experience, but that is absolutely death by a thousand paper cuts. That is happening over and over and over again. Um, and 
one of the things I think about when I'm partnering with companies is what are the unintended consequences of mm-hmm. all of your policies? Um, and we we do have to trust our employees that they are smart and capable and know um, know when it's okay to change a name from yeah. <laughs> a misspelling to a whole different name where it allows a stranger into someone's hotel room. You know, there there is there is a room for movement in there. It's beautiful. Well, this is I could dig on this for hours, literally. Stories. Yeah. I'm sure you could you could tell us all sorts of stories. Is there any one last story you want to share with the group here on any topic from your point of view on your time at Zappos, your time with Tony, your time going forward? With, I would love for you to share something that helps people remember you by. And then I also want you to share where we can learn more about you and your work and how people can get in touch with you, Jamie. Yeah. Um, so Oh my gosh, there are so many stories from my time at Zappos that I um I just love, but I will um I will tell you one of my my favorite quotes from uh, Tony that most people have never heard. Cool. Um he when we created our core values, he wanted to create a core value document that not only said like the values deliver wow through service, but what does deliver wow through service mean? And um, employees would read it and um, it was, you know, part of their onboarding as like signing saying that you understand the values. Um, And one of the lines that just has always struck me and I referred to a million times um, since is he said, Sometimes it may seem like we don't know what we're doing and that's okay, but take heart knowing no one else knows how to run an online shoe company either. I mean, the humility that that man had and, um, and the transparency that I think every leader could benefit by just saying, you know, sometimes I don't know everything and, um, and that's okay. We're going to figure this out together because, your company is doing something hopefully that no one's ever done before. Yeah. Well, I love that you shared the fact that there's a take heart in there for the obvious branding that we have in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's really irrelevant. And I know that was unintended. So that's, that's pretty fun. <laughs> Jamie, thank you for, for sharing all of your time and your experiences in a, in a very abbreviated version, condensed version of it. Um, again, how can people get in touch with you? How can they, how can they connect with you and, and get to know your work more? Yeah. Um, the easiest way to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn. You can um, uh, Google my name, Jamie Naughton, N-A-U-G-H-T-O-N. I, um, my legal name is Jamie Naughton Henriod. So that's what you will see on, on LinkedIn, but would love to connect. And um, I'm always up to helping companies move, um, move their brand forward. So reach out to me. Amazing. Well, I'm always, I always enjoy our conversations. Thank you for joining us for our audience and with our audience today. And we'll see you soon. Thank you so much.